0: Welcome to episode eight hundred and seventy-seven of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. righty team, welcome along to episode. Eight hundred and seventy seven of I Am
1: Talk with Coach John Yussam and Bevan James Iles. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. Pretty good. You've got so, your jeans on I no notice. Yep. Staying warm today. Weather's miserable. Can't complain though. We did a session on Friday. Chose the right day to do it, didn't you? We did. It was fantastic. Uh, beautiful. Like where was it day before first day before the first day of winter? No, it was actually oh, winter. Was it? Yeah fantastic like 15 degrees a uh, bit of breeze uh, overdressed it was like being uh, in germany so i am ready but i'm not riding outside and when, like when are you leaving one eight days away eight <sighs> days counting it down and how long are you going for just over three weeks What's get back ho- on my ber- very nearly missed my birthday fly back arrive on my birthday mm. how old are you gonna be 47 47 Getting old, we're, I, break, we're breaking down, aren't we, Bevan? I, I, I was taught a class at the gym this morning, and I was
0: doing a squat, and I pulled my back muscles. I'm yeah. a bit
1: sore this morning. I'm a bit, I'm a bit kind of don't want to really
0: move. I've taken some drugs. I've got an ice pack on my back. Yeah. Heat's coming in twenty minutes. Yeah, um, I'm going through. You know, you know how sometimes you get periods where you got no injuries, mm-hmm. and then you get periods where you just get a few at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm just having it. Yeah, I'm right not now. a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of pain in the bum. Such is life. I talk is proudly brought to you by. Our awesome
1: patrons. And we've got Parker Barney Day. Uh, Hugh, or we call him How. but I think it's Hugh Dolphin. How now, brown car, Dolphin. And Matthew, the President Reagan. In uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a cool we interview. We have. Uh, it's going to be a mystery pro because we haven't done it yet, so we won't announce it now and you guys just listen in, just in case well, it doesn't happen. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sure it will, but... Uh, It'll be in the name of the title. Okay, but we'll have finished the show by then. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a mystery pro. Mystery pro? Uh, Top female. Coach's Corner. And just going to be talking a little bit more about my rote build-up. And then Wing of the Week, whips of the Week, and questions
0: and the answer. Okay, so we had Hamburg happen over the weekend, and I think we should probably talk about the tragedy first.
1: Yes. Um, unfortunately, there was a death in the race. And I'm sure... Everybody listening to this probably heard it because it did, it made mainstream yeah, media the New Zealand the, the main page and stuff in New Zealand. Bad news always gets uh, you know gets the, the highlights um, and yeah tragedy for for those one percent of you that don't know um, terrible accident. Uh, they had a lineup of motorbikes. It was bizarre. I, I didn't really watch the race and I just quickly scanned through and started watching it and knew that there was this was going to happen. Didn't actually see the accident but it just seemed ridiculous. I've never seen it like this before. There was, I think, seven or eight motorbikes back-to-back riding next to the pros. It was just weird. I was like, what is the necessity for having that many motorbikes? Oh, really? Uh, And secondly it was a very tight course, the start was crazy tight Um, and then when they were out on the road in the sections that I saw, yeah, there was seven or eight motorbikes creating a massive draft for the front pros. Uh, Oh really? And and the other um, issue was that it was an out and back course and and so the pros are riding along, you know, flipping 45 to 50 kilometres an hour, the motorbikes are next to them and then you've got age groupers coming the other direction and it was like, it was a disaster waiting to happen. So from what we understand, or at least the- oh, The pictures were up there, lots of everybody saw it. So the
0: guy basically went on the wrong side of the road? Oh, no, the I, don't,
1: I I didn't watch the actual incident, but it was basically head-on collision with an age grouper coming the other way- <laughs> On a bike. On a bike. Uh, and you'd think that it was actually the age grouper that died, yeah. but it was the, the the driver, it was a 70-year-old driver of uh, the motorbike that-, that it um, passed away sadly and there was a photographer or, or a camera person on on the back and yeah it's just a horrific incident and just, just sad yeah sad and just bizarre that this actually happened and I couldn't are believe we, it. are we surprised it doesn't happen Not, obviously death's pretty bad but are we surprised we don't see more crashes out there well the, the issue wasn't somebody. So I was spoke to an athlete yesterday who's coming over to Germany uh, for for road, and he said, oh, "I hope this is, this sort of thing won't happen in road." The difference in Rote is it's a um, it's a loop course, and you're only riding in one direction. It's yeah. the out and back courses that you've got to be mindful very of. Very congested. Very congested, and it's and especially on on narrow roads. So horrific incident, um, and yeah,
0: just to no. Just our love goes out to the family. It's obviously. We don't want this in our sport, unfortunately, and, and it's really sad when things like this happen. And it's probably the first time we've done the show where an official's passed away.
1: We've had a couple of people die in the swims. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um,
0: have we any, uh,
1: probably you swims know. have been it, really, isn't it? Uh, I'm sure there's been some on the run as well. Um, but in our time, we've probably only had about a handful of deaths mm. in race, and if you know what I mean. It was interesting to see some of the comments. So they turned all the comments off on the Ironman page and what have you during the race. Um and you, you see people just laying into Greg Welsh and the commentators. They, don't really, they won't know what's really no. going on. And so just give it was them... It's like that time, remember, we, we, something... The Boston bombing. Boston, Boston bombing. I was watching that documentary last night and I said to Belinda, we were this recording. happened, we were recording. And
0: people gave us a hard time. They thought we were so disrespectful, but we didn't really... We were just recording our podcast and we just saw a headline, oh, something's happened to Boston bombing. Yeah. And people, went, some people weren't really at us. And
1: it's like, well, we didn't actually know. It's a, yeah, so... Give Greg Welsh a a break. Uh, The Other people are saying, you know, should they stop the race in these circumstances? Everyone's entitled to their own opinions on on that. But um, yeah, just a horrible incident. Hopefully it does not happen again. Did he pass away straight away? I've got no idea, yeah. That is a hard one, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, my personal opinion is... If, if I was the person dying in the race I'd, uh, I'd want people to carry on and yeah, and so on but um, but I totally respect people that say oh you should stop the race yeah
0: okay so let's look at the race obviously it's the second most important thing stupidly fast times but you're, you're thinking it was a bit short
1: well not too bad um, so it was a real fizzer before because I was talking about the last week about the field and you had Max Newman yep. Jan Fredino, and Brownlee. Brownlee I was like this is going to be awesome they might completely explode all of them but this is a great lineup, and then I see a bloody Instagram post: Max Newman's flown home. He's like had a little bit of a niggle, and he's like, after, after I've won the, the the US Open, I'm going to get ready for for yep. Nice, not the US Open, the European Open. And Brownlee pulled out a couple of days earlier with with a niggle as well, and totally get that. Just unfortunate, you know. Brownlee is like walking on eggshells at the yeah. moment, uh, and he's he probably wants to be right for for Nice, but he hasn't qualified, so. Um, I tell you what, it doesn't seem to be that hard to qualify. I looked at uh, coming up in a couple of weeks' time, Cairns, Uh There's four slots, He you should go to Kens That's what you should but do. But when is it too late? Yeah, totally. And this and because if you like, it's June now, and it's races in October. It's September. No, no, yeah, in early September, isn't it? Yeah, uh, um, I think so. Yeah, so he's going to be struggling to to make that start line. So, um, yeah, real shame that those two came out and so that was a bit of a visit but the racing was pretty spectacular. So, September the 10th. Yeah, yeah, so. So we've got what, two months? Yeah, so what, you know. No, July, August, oh, no. He's got to get the job done in, in July so the, the, there's, there's, there's quite a few options but still got to get the job done. Well,
0: and he's, he's a bit vulnerable. Mm. So, like, if Brownlee can turn up and as but we I, 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 but like, let's just talk the quick Brownlee thing. He's not a contender, is he? Eh,
1: if he's on hundred, if, if he's a hundred percent fit and no, everything goes, I don't his think right. he is, but because uh, yeah. you look at European Championships, he didn't have the run. Maybe mm. uh, he, he wasn't a hundred percent fit there. Uh, same for, for Fredino, as we found out for the weekend. If they're a hundred percent on, they're contenders, and you don't want to be a hundred percent on in June. You want to be getting the job done as best you can. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think he'll be a contender, but if he was 100%, he's got the the and bikes there, and it's just whether or not he can, he can I'm do I'm going to say run. he's not. I'm yeah. making the statement. That I'm, that I'm a planning, safe bet. Yeah, Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I'm saying if he is a stellar day, he's top five, but I don't mm. think he's a contender to win. Mm. You know, I just don't think he's shown us enough in the last 18 months. And, and it's unfortunate, because I'd love to see Bramley at his
1: best, but unfortunately, just he, he gets a bit broken nowadays. I think it's the most wide open world championships we've had in a long time without the Norwegians there and Fredino, as we saw at the weekend, is not potentially at his best either. So the way this race panned out was uh, you know, a big group came out of the swim together and my God, I've never seen a run in a transition like it. They must have run... At least half a kilometre. Oh, really? At least half a kilometre to get to their bikes. Probably a bit more than that. Were they going for it? They were gunning. Oh, us. really? Like half. <laughs> there was one guy. Man, he would have been, you know, running easily as fast as they run in the run. You know, really? three, three thirty, three forty-five, something like that. Absolutely gunning. It was ITU style. Get on there. Fredino gets on his bike in um, second and then jumps on. He doesn't put his feet in his pedals, or well, I, I watched for at least a one kilometre, if not a couple. He still didn't have his feet on wow. his pedal. And his just because f- of the pack? Uh, he just wanted to get the front, and, and it was really, really tight because it's a city centre race. It was like extremely tight, and if you got stuck behind, yep. high chance of getting Mission. a drafting penalty if they were being assholes and dishing them out at that stage. But uh, yeah, so he was just gunning it at the front. Uh, yeah, and then I didn't really watch the bike, but the bits that I did watch, there was just a lineup. There was that line of motorbikes which caused the, the tragic accident. Uh, fast riding. Fast riding, and only one person got away. The rest of the, you know, then there was a little group that, that came in. And then ridiculously fast running so in the end um, they came off the bike and Christian Holgenhard had a nice little lead and but then he got run down initially by Jan Fredino who was uh, who was then leading and you think oh well job done here he's going to just uh, run away with this and not dominating the field but should win it but then uh, Jan Fredino started to slowly fade and Denny was, Chevro was just killing it and he ran a two thirty one. Yeah, how accurate was the course? So I went. So I was thinking. That's Zach, that's ridiculous. So yeah. I was doing exactly the same thing. So I went and looked up a couple of these pros. I look, looked up Christian Holgenhau, who ended up finishing in third place. He started his watch a little bit late, and he only recorded 40.6 kilometres. Okay. And he had a two hours 35 on his Strava file, but he was 240 in the results. Okay, so probably never can a bit, so it's not yeah. far off. But then I looked at Fran, Franz Loshky, uh, who finished in seventh place, and he got 41.65 kilometres. So... If he started his watch at the right place, it's that's you know, six hundred metres yeah. out. We get, yeah, you maybe call that two minutes. know, uh, yeah, somewhere between so it's still one 233 and two. Two thirty-three run. Two thirty-three run, but it's not just that. You look at the rest of the runs. Second place is yeah. Peter Hämmerlech, two thirty-seven. Yeah. Uh, Hoganhag was two forty. Fredino two thirty-eight, two forty-two, two thirty-six, two thirty-seven, two thirty-eight, two thirty-eight. So ninth place around two thirty-eight, and you only got ninth. Well, even 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 um, Christian
0: Hogan Hulk, um, you you swim forty six, you bike fight three fifty seven, you run a two forty. You think you've got that race? Everyone, yeah, haven't you yeah. You know what I mean. Like For a finish time of seven thirty one,
1: and you get third. Yeah, wow. uh, in terms of the bike accuracy, again, the, our bike times were mental fast. Yeah, you know, three fifty seven. Yeah, well, basically, you got five guys four or four under. And I, both of the files that i looked at, they were 178.5 and 178.7K. So again, a K to K and a half short, that's only a couple of minutes. Yep. Uh, so again, you're looking at a, basically a four hour bike split depending on when these guys started their bike computers. Uh, and also, there would have been a bit of, uh, I noticed they went through a really long tunnel at the beginning, might have lost a bit of stuff. So the bike's pretty accurate, yep. the run's pretty accurate. It's basically the same sort it's of distances I mean. that we see it wrote, right, yep. in terms of just a little bit short. Uh, so the time record mental. right now? Uh, I'm pretty sure that'll be it. Pretty sure that'll it be was, it. It
0: was in the 20s, wasn't it? Yeah. 720-something, um, was it 27.8 mm, or 27? It was, uh,
1: it was uh, one of the Norwegians did it in Cozumel or something like yeah. that. But uh, yeah, P- but this is just ridiculous. What was in their favour, I noticed on the run leg, it was only 20 degrees. Perfect running temperature. You know, it's uh, good crowds. Yep. It's obviously nice, still. Nice still day and 20 degrees. It's like absolutely perfect. And that's what we're, we're seeing. And we're seeing these run times. You know, Cody Beals thinks five minutes almost with those running shoes, and you look at that and you go, Yeah, that's about right. But well, the depth here,
0: mental. Well, let's talk about Fredino. Um, we saw him in the European Championships. He was kind of. He wasn't okay. not that bad. He was all right. Yeah, he was yeah. okay. Like, yeah. But not not Fredino of the past. Oh, no way. You know, Fredino of the past turns up, you're going, Fredino's, you're putting your house on it. Mm-hmm. Turns up to this race, not the greatest field.
1: Yeah. Now, what are you b- thinking? Uh, what I'm thinking is, I know you Beckham. Yeah, but he's 41. No, I think he's he's on par. You know, he's a favourite, but he's not a clear favourite. He's one of the favourites. He's not for dinner from five no. years ago. But he's around 238. He did look in difficulty in the second half of the run. I've never seen him in difficulty before in terms of he's just one. struggling. Um, but we've got to remember uh, this is a this is a good field. Uh, he was only 38 seconds off second but we would say normally he would win this race hands down quite comfortably uh, really with yeah, this field really it would have been really difficult getting away on the bike there um, although Hogenhoug managed to do it because it was so congested and there was that draft assistance from the motorbikes uh, it was pancake flat so for him to get away on the bike which we'd often normally see didn't didn't really happen and 238 still solid well let's call it a, let's call it a 239 still pretty solid but the bar has been lifted by other people. But if you were going to be a betting man, where would you pick him? Like, if you're picking your top five. Yeah, I'd have to. I'm going to have Because to right a, now, it's hard to see him winning. Uh, it's hard It's hard to see him dominating. I can see him winning. But you're just going to have a really good look at that start list. Well, because
0: realistically, this year he's had a couple of okay performances. Mm-hmm. Not, not for Dino's standard. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really see him race last year. Mm-hmm. So really, you're going to say it's two years since we've seen a dominant performance from him. Mm-hmm. No, I think he's he's definitely one of My hot pack's
1: coming in. Rightio, we're doing a switch. So he ended up, he he was sitting in second place, and then Peter Hemmerich just came storming home with this, like, crazy sprinting, and then Christian Hogenhard, who was the breakaway leader on the bike, uh, managed to pull it together, and he managed to nip past him as well. So Fredino went from second to fourth, like in the last kilometre or so. Uh, Good racing by them. And then there was a little bit of gap, but... I wonder how the
0: ego of Fredino takes that you know like Fredino, from what I've you know I've met him a couple times seems like the nicest guy in the world Mm. especially for a pro like of his level like a legendary athlete Mm. really down to earth really accessible really nice guy Um, but there is something about being the man yep you know what I mean there is something about being walking on the course going you know what I'm the man and and he's not the kind of guy like Mecca that would go and say it Mm. but there is a confidence that coming with I know I'm the man. In this moment, evidence is showing him that he's not. So now it becomes how do I crack this race one more time and leave with with already a phenomenal legacy, Mm. but leaving the highest point ever? And the question really is you think he's got the game, you think he can still do it, but what's the plan that gets him there? Well,
1: I think if I reckon he'd be excited by this going. I've really got to go nuts here. If I'm going to be, win this, I've got to take it to the next level. So that's you, you think he's either going to go down that path going, right, this is where I'm at now, this is where I need to get to, or you go down the other path going, shit, I'm screwed. <laughs> and so I'm sure he's going to go down the path of, oh, he's going g- to get of excitement of and going, yeah. right, this is game on. i really got to show what I've got here. Well, how does, how does Nice need to work out for him to be – well, because the Nice, the, you would think the field, the bike field, is not going to stay together in Nice, and if even if it does, it's going to tire people out. But in last Kona, the last one Kona won, didn't he ride with the front guys? Uh, he was towards the front. Yeah. It was it was definitely not a massive pack. So, and he's always going to be at the front in the swim. And what you got to remember in this race here is. And this is not putting any accusations whatsoever on the other guys in front. They may have been able to sit in a lot better than him and the bike pace, you know. Yeah. But normally, fredino is always pressing on the bike. In this case, it may have been sitting in and he doesn't have the leg speed and the other guys are so much fresher coming in. So I think we'll see a different um, ball game sort of happening in, in knee because it, Yeah, it's going to be cool. If we look interestingly
0: at where we're seeing the fading in Fredino, it's definitely the run. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like yep.
0: in the European Championships... Was pretty much up there off the bike. Yeah, this race here is pretty much up there with the bike. Yeah, um, the runs, the 239, we're saying, is not not really peak standard nowadays. Yeah, and in, in European Championships. So, to me, for him to win Nice, he needs to be in a pack of cyclists with not a great runner in it.
1: So, let's look at the current rankings. So, the Norwegians are, are out. Um well probably saying they're probably gonna be out. Uh and then you be, be a good scoop if they turn up Eh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got uh Ditlev and uh Ditlev's number three, Newman's four, Sam Laidlow's five. So those guys are, can all light it up. Um Sam Long. What are they cycling be, like? Oh Laidlow's bloody yeah. insane when yep. he's on form, but fragile, you know, he might blow up. Magnus Ditlev, you're thinking, Oh, he probably he's a he's going awesome, but yeah, if he came into a running race with um, Fredino, I'd probably put, I'd put my money on Fredino. Max Newman, awesome. Leon Chevalier, usually out the back door. He's ranked number seven. Um, Daniel um, Beckengaard, not such a factor at Ironman. Um, Patrick Langer, you know, he's going to be there on the run. Sanders. Uh, but you find
0: that Langer will be too far behind the bike, won't he? On that Quite course? possibly, yep.
1: yep. If Sanders goes, he's going to be out the back door on the, uh, the swim, and his bike handling skills probably mean he won't be a factor. So you're looking down the list going. Hmm. Yeah, when you take the Norwegians out of it, yeah, you're a good point. You know, yeah, Fredino, you're not the man you used to be, but uh, yeah, I can still see him beating all those dudes. If someone like Sam Layla has a, a a performance like he did in Kona last year, uh, he's gonna crush it. Matt Newman. Uh, yeah, and, and likewise, if he performs like he did in Kona and like he did in the European Open, he's a definite factor. So, you know, normally we go into Kona and you're going. The Norwegians are going to win this yeah. last year. And it's pretty obvious. Last year, Prior to that, Fredina's going to win it. Pretty obvious. Uh, this time around, I think it's wide open. So exciting times ahead. Yeah, when you say it like that, you do go, he's
0: got a chance. Mm. You know, if the if the Norwegians turned up, it's a very long shot. Yeah. Um, I still think that he has to have a pretty great bike oh, yeah. with, with not make many great runners in him. We're mm. in the pack. Mm. If, if he can get into a bike pack with, you know, Strong cyclists, no runners. Mm. That's, to me, the way he wins the race. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Fascinating. Can't wait.
1: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Okay, anything else on that front? No, that was it. It was a big field.
0: Lots of crazy
1: fast running.
0: Uh, mm. Okay, we also had the Challenge
1: Korean Open happen. Um, in a place called Gunsan. Gunsan. Uh, for the first time they've had an iron distance race. Magda Nuvolt from South Africa took it out. in Nine hours, 51. The Bike horse there was ridiculously fast, uh, and then Caleb Noble, Australian, took out the boys race in 8.01. How About that, but look
0: at that. He re- re- rode, oh no, no, it's just the 2nd place rider was pretty quick, mm. um, okay. And then
1: we also had, had a few little, uh, sort of half-distance races. Challenge, um, we had Challenge Salute, Grace Theke took that out in front of our Kiwi Rebecca Clark and Barbara Riveros in third, and Mattis. Magrier from France took out the boys race and there was uh, also a half in Castiers in Spain Marta Sanchez and oh Jesus this is a good name uh, Pelo Osoro Gutierrez took out the boys race in front of Nico Lanos is still racing
0: wow that's a blast from the past oh,
1: right how old is Nico where did he get went? second he got second only two minutes back solid well he was he racing early wow so, yeah Birthday coming in November. So what's the race? Has Cam says? hit fifty. Yet? Cam's at fifty. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Nico Lannister, the world long distance champs, got twenty first earlier this year.
0: Where did Cam get? The, did he end up finishing New Zealand?
1: Uh, if he did, he didn't do very well. I don't. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, coming up speaking, we've got IMM Philippines.
1: Uh whatever races we've got. Yep, so it's a no, Memor- pro- yeah, no pros. No pros over in the Philippines. And then uh, a few other little random ones. One that I did pick up on was that I don't think we mentioned before is the Chia Extreme, which is in Alabama in the States, one of these X-Tri races where you've got a, a really difficult um, sort of profile on both the bike and the run, uh, self-supported. Um, well, you know, I, I imagine they have the swim course laid out, and then you basically do your own gig on the, the bike and the run. You've got to have your support crew in place. Uh, and. In terms of the course profile, when I looked at it yesterday, 10,000 feet of climbing on the bike, so that's pretty decent, around about 3,000 meters, and then on the run course uh, there was a fair whack of climbing as well, there was 3,000 feet of climbing, or 3,400 feet, so roughly 1,000 meters of climbing, and most of that was uh, at the end, you had a big old doozy climb, so don't know anything about Alabama really, it's in the Check uh, Kappa. what are they called? What are they called? What are they called? What are they called? The Appalachian, Appalachian. I think it was, uh, area. Alabama's people. Yeah, Appalachian, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains. Okay, that's very good. Let's go into our discussion. Oh, no, sorry.
0: We need to talk about what's happening in the short course world. So, no, no, you had the European Championships. So, this is a short course European Championships.
1: Yep, Olympic distance. Now, not a big race uh, on this n- calendar? Not a big... It usually, it's a reasonable field, but because it was only a week after the latest round of the World Tri-Series, okay, it didn't really look like it pulled us amazing style in Madrid? Field, good field in Madrid. Swim got cancelled. Sound uh, sounded like the water quality was shitty, so got a... Turned into a duathlon. Old Mario Mola blasted in the past. Um, he led out the first run and then faded to finish in 20th place. And old Bra- uh, uh, Jonathan Brownlee uh, just missed out on the W. Four seconds behind David Castro Fergero. And who's Fajero? he? Don't know anything about him. Never heard of his name before, but he was ranked number six, so he's probably pretty decent, but that's the thing. If you're not at the front of races in, in the world of uh, short-course triathlon, you often don't get that much of a mention, but, you know, um, Brownlee's just missing out on now, the wins. who, who, got, who, who got third? A, uh, Adrian Brifford got third. He's, he's really good. He's going well. No, who was the person you talked about? Moeller. Why isn't Mola. he going long? Uh, he wouldn't be great that long, I don't think. He's a, he was a, always a great runner. Well, he did do a half. I remember he did a half and won it somewhere. Um, but Because no. he'd be past it now, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think. He, As an elite elite. He's just, uh, since COVID, he's just like not been bad, he's just been terrible. Oh, well, he really? did win the World marathon Championships. Yeah, February, but that's not a big event, is it? No. no.
0: And, and Mowler, there was a moment there, he was the man, wasn't he? Oh, he could yeah.
1: run like a beast. Yeah, yeah no, he was, uh, well, he was the World Series champion for multiple times in you know, one-ish crap load of races. On the female side uh, Jean Lahir took that out by 7 seconds in front of Lisa Turch. So it was like, European champs in Madrid.
0: Okay, let's go into this week's discussion. We didn't get a huge amount of feedback. What is your race day iron distance nutrition plan? People um, are keeping it all close to their chests because
1: right. of the comments we got.
0: No, pretty, a lot of them are pretty pretty <laughs> taking the piss. Got a
1: Rob more. Crappy, <laughs> yeah. something is good, more is better. <laughs> uh, Mick Simpson last year he trained uh, using 90 grams of the Morton um, on the bike and with a mix and using six gels. The one comment that he said, uh, took up uh, his one of his bottles flew out of his cage. Oh, there was another one, maybe it wasn't this one, it was another one that I saw. Okay, well, oh, no, here we go on the run water and 3 gels an hour until I in Copenhagen ran out of gels and cups on my second lap. That's what shocking. the hell? Yeah. I am and right I I'm carrying all my gels. I don't I've never heard of them running out of stuff in rote. Right. But rote was unbelievable. That they had would a feast. shit your pants if you're relying on, oh. on course product and it's like, yeah. "Well, I'm going to explode here. What do I do?" Yeah.
0: And you haven't got a backup plan. Yeah. And I get it. Slow people kind of can get screwed mm. because a lot of people have taken the product, for, but you've got enough for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> surely. Yeah, got a Richard Swanee. Noah's got uh, Mechas and Tapo. who is very convenient to the two transitions. Uh, Clive Granger's got <laughs> yeah, sharp enough, mate. Uh, well, as I'm now watching, I'm now watching not racing. I have coffee. Watch the swim. Uh, and transition, then off for full English breakfast and oh, a Yep.
1: Right, back to a serious one. David Bones says I use UCAN, one serve pre-race with banana and peanut butter, a second serve pre-swim, depending on the time between getting up and race start. On the bike, I have two bottles each with three servings of UCAN and three hammer gels. I also carry two hammer gel ba- uh, bars for some solids. On the run, I have another serving of UCAN and a flask, but mostly I just smash the Coke. I also take salt tablets all day for electrolytes, and he had a reply from David. Uh, no, then he replied to his own comment. Just listen to this week's podcast a bit about the mixing. You can with other high carb nutrition. I tried this after hearing Tim O'Donnell did similar when he got his third in Kona. I tried it and it works for me. So for those of you that didn't listen last week, up, yeah, we were talking about you can saying that you probably you should just have you can and not mix it in with high carbohydrate. Um, uh, mixes and I was kind of saying, like, yeah, you know, I kind of agree with you. Can you if you want to keep that stable blood sugar, um, just trying to stay on the UCAN for as long as you can, within practical reason, practical practicalities of carrying it all, is the way to go. But you have got examples of people that do take UCAN, mix them with other stuff, and they seem they go well. But the way the UCAN works best is to try to keep your blood sugar in, in check. Um, but whatever works for you. Dave Bones, you've mixed it and it works. So that's good. Tony Hodge has
0: got, she's got taken it serious. She's got breakfast as rice porridge, low food food map um, and gut friendly. Then a bottle of infinite pre-swim 90 grams um, CHO. Uh, bike infinite uh, custom blend with three serves, 270 grams of carbohydrate in one bottle on the bike and swap with another bottle with another three serves from special needs, a few lolly snakes and a Vegemite sandwich for a bit of variety and half a banana when I can get it from the aid station. On the run she takes an infinite run gel made up from soft flasks, Uh, two flasks in the back pocket and then two more in special needs. Pick up some coke from aid stations as needed slash wanted, water to thirst throughout the day, that was my plan for I'm in Port Macquarie last month and I had zero gut issues.
1: Nice. George Samuel says powder in the bottles um, with, followed by Coke and Red Bull in the last 30 miles of the bike. Jeez, George, you hit the big stuff pretty early yeah, there. Yeah, he's straight <laughs> into it. <laughs> then uh, flat, flapjacks slash gels and simple carbs for food, Coke and gels on the run. Flapjacks, that's uh, such an American thing, isn't it? They yeah, kind of, like, of normally it. toast them and it's kind of like a... Not a little sort of biscuity type outside and then they often have a little filling in the middle. They kind really, of look like wheat Yeah, not really my kind of thing, but yeah, Americans love them. Okay. Uh, lastly, I'll go uh, Rob Gray's got I mix
0: 400 grams table sugar with 5 grams of t- uh, sodium citrate uh, and 1.5 5, 5 liters of water. Flavor it with either ginger beer or some Gatorade endurance powder. I put that into... Two bike bottles, approximately 1,700 calories. That's it for the bike. For the run, I start with flat ginger beer and then switch to Gatorade Endurance that they serve on the course, plus Coke when I feel like it's needed. He's going old school.
1: Yeah, He's Rob just Gray. Gone, well, Rob Gray's done ultras and everything like that. He's just giving me the sugar and the salt. Yeah, but also I think, you know, the ginger beer to kind of keep your, se- your stomach a little bit settled. You know, ginger is a great way of, of doing that. Not something, oh, I don't really like ginger beer, but not something oh, yeah. I've kind of tried, uh, like tried myself. Beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. Pretty much we we yours, don't we? Um, yeah, so what I'll be doing in rote this year, it's pretty similar to what I've done in the past. Um, so, first 45 minutes of the bike, I'll be going through a bottle of UCAN, and then the rest of the bike ride, I'll have four bottles of Infinite, which will each have 90 grams of carbs in them, and plus I'll have a bit of a bar. And then onto the run, basically be pumping, uh, I'll start with uh, uh, probably one or two. You can gels, and then, but basically, I have a gel every what am I doing? Every seven kilometres, I think it is. Uh, But then the backup plan is to just hit the coke and whatever on the run, whatever you can and whatever I can sort of uh, handle. And then, yeah, and then just got to, I've still got to come up with just my backup plan uh, if you happen to drop your nutrition uh, on the bike ride. What do they give you on the course? So, in uh, Germany, it's going to be power bar, drinks and gel. So I've just got to run the numbers on yeah, that. Have you tried on, them before? Yeah, yeah. It's right. tolerable. But yeah. I certainly don't want to go down that path if I don't have to. But that's the thing. you just got to do, do that you know, arithmetic in your head so you know how much you need to be taking in. But um, yeah, it's worst case scenario. Okay, let's go
0: into this week's discussion. What do I have? I don't really race nowadays because i got mm. a bad what back. What did you have
1: when you used to race? I ate a lot. Yeah. I was
0: really lucky. I had a stomach of steel. So I used to do like four gels an hour, mm. you know, and that was, and probably some food and your, and your drink. Mm. Uh, what was the gel at the time? High five, we were sponsored by?
1: Yeah, high, high five. There yeah. was pro four. Yeah, pro four. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think I had high five. Um, I used to love those. They gave us those mm. bars. Remember those bars? The of chocolate covered you know, ones. Oh, raisins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember one day they gave us a box and I ate it that day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, divine. divine. Um, so I used to use high five. I'd have four gels an hour. Mm-hmm. and then my electrolyte drink on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could pretty much do that all through the bike. So I was, mm. I was probably getting... That's a
1: good, at least easy 100-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I could end with
0: it. And then on the run, I'd just do gel and just go to Coke. Mm. Yeah, gel and Coke really, and just the drinks that you had. Um, I really wanted to get to Coke early. Mm. I liked my Coke, so mm. it was quite nice to get to the Coke. But
1: the only thing I say about Coke, once you're on it, you're on it. You know, Some people get scared about going on it too early, it's fine. As long as you just got to get enough in. Oh, and it's a nice
0: treat, isn't it? You know, because you're so so kind of, you know, that second half of the run, you're just over it. Mm.
1: You know what I mean? And so to have something that's a bit of a treat. I had some, we were doing a simulation on Friday and I had some unfizzed coke. I was sort of midway through the run. Didn't shake it. Oh, up. I didn't shake it at all. I was oh. like, you take off from the little aid station we had set up. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is going to take a while to settle. Well, you yeah. hadn't you hadn't defused it. No, no. Oh, and, big <laughs> mistake. And then uh, came through on the second lap, and I no, the third lap, and I was like, I kind of I need some coke at the moment, and I've got I'm just going to have to go through a you know a, a kilometer of kilometer of suffering again, and then it'll be okay.
0: Remember I mean, There's two two events I remember two events in the history of this podcast. And one was where they hadn't defizzed and everyone complained. Yeah. And then one was where they bought Diet Coke. Diet. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a shock. Yeah. Okay, this week's discussion, what do you think about in the final hour of an Ironman to hold yourself together? So what are your mind strategies that keep you on target of achieving your goal? Okay, let's go on to John's quiz question. When was
1: the first Ironman Lanzarote? That's a really good question okay we've got an interview coming up are we going to name the name we will not you'll hear the name in a second famous athlete okay here we go been on the show once before I remember in Kona one year
0: here he he, he or she is
1: this famous athlete. athlete Righto guys, uh, so we have got a former 70.3 world champion on the line today, uh, she's also won a staggering, I think I counted 16 70.3s, so Jeez. it may be more than that, but that's how many I quickly counted, uh, and she's seen the highs of lows of pro racing, you know, being world champion to having seasons where she's been wiped out with injuries, so Holly Lawrence, welcome along to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, I actually think I, I haven't, counted uh recently but i think it's 17.
0: yeah you get that number right we don't want to undermine you
2: (laughs) well i need to get it right too but yeah (laughs) Yeah,
1: it was a quick scan
2: through the p there was the pto
1: website and it was a quick scan and then maybe they Uh, missed something so what was your most proudest one because when
0: you run so many they can all kind of it's a nice problem to have but they can kind of merge are there any that really stand out for you
2: uh yeah 70.3 world champs i think that that tops everything. Yeah, of
1: course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a staggering performance. Um, so far this season, you had a fourth at Oceanside and a tenth at the PTO European Open. So, how do things sort of rank up for you so far this season in terms of, I guess, your racing performances where you want to be and kind of what you're seeing from from training at the moment?
2: Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, I've you know not really been racing the way that I've expected of myself. So I've still kind of just been making like little nudges in the right direction and Oceanside and Ibiza really didn't really show where my training I feel is at. So still kind of wanting a lot more from the rest of the season. So very much got my head down right now um, in a block of training for like the next real races coming up for the end of the season, really like mid part of the season. Now, look.
1: i always mm-hmm. we always see the name Holly Lawrence, and you're always a contender when you go into to races. And um, when I look through your, um, you know, there was a period there. I think you had six seventy point three wins in 2017, and you obviously had your world championship win as well. So, what mm-hmm. sort of made the difference um, in that sort of period to what you've kind of experienced in the you know, last year and, and maybe some of the leaner years, you know, what's the difference in terms of, you know, getting it right versus being just a little bit off?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It's just kind of like the evolution of myself as an athlete coming on from like doing short stuff in, what well, even 2014, I was racing Commonwealth Games, like doing kind of primarily shorter stuff, mixing it in with a couple of 70.3s. I I think the year before that I did a 70.3 on a road bike, like super new. Mm-hmm. You know, even 2015, when I came out, broke the bike course record in Oceanside um in like my first race. Um just very new, kind of I think just just kind of gaining speed and everything can um I think it's kind of easy to get there and then it's harder to stay there so then like I've just had ups and downs um, had injuries but then come back to kind of probably probably arguably my best year was 2019 which was um, coming back after an injury um, winning I think I won three regionals no four regionals that year and then came second at world champs which was a niece, which the course didn't suit me at all, descending. I'm not a great descender. So that was like a big year for me, I felt. And then 2020 kind of, um, yeah, I really struggled. I had illnesses, um, pneumonia, like then kind of really struggled with that year. So then when COVID happened, I was kind of like, oh, phew, like I'm not ready. (laughs) Um, But then, so then kind of, from 2020 onwards, I've kind of struggled a little bit. And um, kind of on the mid midway from last year, I've just seen some improvements in training again, which has kind of made me excited again to hopefully like be going in the right direction again. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's been kind of peaks and troughs throughout the way. It's not being just like, oh, it was great early on and then not, so yeah.
0: When, when you're in a place, you know, when you have that kind of roller coaster of a professional career, you know, there's those moments where everything's going well, and then there's moments where it, they aren't going so well. When you're in a time where it isn't going well, is it that you're trying to find search for new answers, or is it more just that things are pulling you away from doing the things you consistently do that create success?
2: Yeah, I think it's more, more the latter. That's like stuff is going wrong. You know, whether it's an illness. You know, when I had pneumonia which I think was COVID before COVID was COVID um I wasn't able to get on my bike like my back was giving out from coughing so much for like weeks and then uh, you know a whole host of other things that were kind of from that um just getting in the way of training and I think I'm best when I've just got like can just be super consistent and for me it's not about crazy workouts it's just a big big block of consistency and that's what kind of in 2020 even 2021 i really kind of miss so yeah still just just kind of chipping along now
1: um what what made the move to the states you know i noticed on i think it was on your Instagram um, profile because you've got like 100,000 followers on there I think he went back to the UK or something like that uh, maybe getting a wedding license um, what what sort of prompted the move to the states and you're pretty much uh, stuck there now and, and never heading back to the UK?
2: Yeah um, so that was in early 2015 I just raced um, for the Commonwealth Games for Wales um, and it was just like a political nightmare and I was done with the politicalness of short course racing I wanted to race for myself do 70 just try 70.3 like give it a real go and I actually started working with Matt Dixon at the time so that's what kind of really prompted moving out to America and I was primarily in San Francisco but kind of between there and LA um, for a bit Um, so then yeah it was pretty much after soon after coming to America I was I was like, yeah, this is this is for me. It's it just seems so much easier to be an athlete over here versus back home. Mm. Why? I think a lot's to do with the mentality, Um, especially, you know, where I grew up, there were no professional athletes. It doesn't seem like a sensible career choice. It doesn't, you know, even even kind of even after I had some success I would get people like asking me that didn't really understand the sport or even that you could make money from it being like oh great but when are you going to get a real job mm-hmm. even though you know I was probably more successful than the people that were potentially asking me that so yeah it was just kind of it just seemed a bit more limiting it's just especially where I'm from so um coming to america i honestly thought people were taking the piss when they would take me seriously as an athlete and it just seemed it just seemed so much more accepting and open of that kind of lifestyle and just being like yeah like take it as far as you can go and like super supportive and i just loved that yeah.
1: On your um on your profile on the the PTO website one of the things you talk about when you're having your, your lower periods or when you're having your really good periods is getting your nutrition right and um, I believe you're sort of doing some work with fuelin who we had on the podcast a little while ago so maybe talk us through you know some of the nutritional changes you're perhaps working on at the moment and what you find is is really working for you
2: yeah so um, I actually reached out to Scott um, I think it was like early to mid last year, when I was still trying to figure out kind of what what's getting in the way of training, what's getting in the way of me feeling good. um, And just kind of trying to cover all bases. And I honestly thought that I was pretty much nailing nutrition. So if anything, working with Scott is just going to reinforce what I was doing and what I already knew. But if anything, it just kind of illuminated that I wasn't fueling enough. And maybe I got got away with it for a while, but um, that it, it I could definitely use fuel in the app and just like really having that accounting to make sure that my fueling is matching my requirements and my training and being able to optimize that. So it's just kind of taking the guesswork out of it and take, making it so much easier and kind of, I think just left to your own devices. Like if you were training yourself, you're probably going to end up overtraining, fatigued. Mm. And if you're just taking care of your own nutrition yourself, you're probably going to start underfueling yourself and overestimating, um, yeah, just more so underestimating um, what you actually need. So you're finding at the moment you're just
1: you're, you're eating more or is it you're just eating more of protein or more carbs or is it just more in general?
2: Um, I probably am eating more carbs than I was before. I think I was like a lot of other people kind of scared of consuming massive amount of carbs. Like I would obviously in racing really push the limit, but would not use that kind of carbohydrate loading or, um, fueling during intense sessions even. And, um, just the way I am now for training.
1: Um, one thing that's really, interesting to watch at the moment we talked to cody beals um a few weeks ago about the standard of racing and you know he was looking at more from a iron distance perspective and yeah he was saying well this is what i was doing sort of pre COVID, and i was winning races now i'm doing i mean I'm, i'm better now and now i'm finishing maybe fifth through through tenth sometimes um have you sort of seen something similar, you know, um, sort of pre and post COVID? Did you feel like the standard or the depth of female racing has gone up significantly or is it, you know, roughly the same?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of hard to say. I think the the evolution of the sport is always trending in, you know, faster direction and everyone's always, every year it's getting faster. And I think the biggest thing is that like, people that, the is always shifting, like people that you would be like, oh yeah, they're kind of maybe scratching 10th, 15th that are world champs and now like a contender, like Tamara Jewett, mm-hmm. like was always a phenomenal runner, but you're like, yeah, but she can't swim or bike. Now she's somehow learned to swim or yeah. bike. After COVID. you're like, holy shit, yeah. like this changes the game. And like, even Ash Gentle, she, you know, had a phenomenal year last year. and But before that, kind of, you know, you would have maybe not counted her. So, like, I think just we're we're just seeing these big shifts in the hierarchy and, like, Daniela, who's always been super dominant, hasn't been so dominant. And, like, it's just inevitable that we we like to just stay in the, the same direction and maybe someone new comes on the scene, but we're not so comfortable with... Someone you were used to maybe beating, yeah. now they're beating you, and um, yeah, that just kind of everyone's got their cards to play and their strengths are that you know strengths are improving. So yeah, it's just making it more interesting. But I don't think like there's been some massive jumps. It's just changes in in the dynamics, which then changes obviously the way the races play out.
0: Do do you feel more pressure?
2: Um, I mean, pressure is something I've had to, yeah. Yeah, um, it's part of
0: life. But is, is it an increased thing, or yeah? Just I'm interested.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's been an up and down roller coaster too, as well as like my career. Like, obviously, coming onto the scene in twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Even when I was like stringing out a load of wins just before seventy point three worlds, I felt no pressure. I had like maybe one or two logos on my kit like I had no one to prove anything to and everything to gain and I realize now like what an amazing um, way to race that was and then you obviously get sponsors and then you kind of I really struggled in 2017 with the pressure I put on myself because I was suddenly like oh my god I'm going to be a massive disappointment to these people and like raced way too aggressively early in the season um then ended up getting injured and then all all my sponsors like didn't leave me that year so then it then took the pressure off a bit so it's always kind of like ups and downs and it's kind of the way you you have that relationship with what pressure is it's ultimately coming from yourself and like why why you have that um, which is obviously because you care, but it's trying to funnel that in a positive direction instead of letting it derail you.
1: One thing I noticed, and I'm not sure if this started this season or last season, you've you know you've traditionally been a racer in um, just a pair of talks, uh, sort of the swimsuit, <laughs> and you've changed your trisuit. what what's brought this on?
2: Well, it's been many, many years of people telling me that <laughs> I need I needed to waisted sleeves because of um, their aerodynamics and like now everyone's getting wind tunnels and that's that's another thing why the sport's getting faster like people i i call it silly season right now with everything aero like from like joe skipper who's got bottles on the top of his forearms yeah. blocking <laughs> from his helmet and people have like leader bottles in their jerseys and um so obviously like people are trying to hyper hyper optimize everything aerodynamically and I've never actually done any testing on the swimsuit versus sleeves. So I was like, okay, I will I will try and race in sleeves um and shorts, but still kind of I'm still I still have my swimsuit, so I'm still ready to bust it out <laughs> if, if I think um there is no difference. And that's actually something I want to test and I'm looking to test with um, Jim Manton from Aero. Um, later this year so I'd be really interested to see those results because if they tell me it is no no slower with the swimsuit I am going back to the nice. swimsuit 100% <laughs> you, You've also quick coffee what's all that about well that's temporary that's very temporary <laughs>
1: Why?
2: <laughs> I know see everyone gives me that response because it's like an addicted person being like you don't want anyone else to become not addicted but yeah no I feel like my coffee consumption was just kind of creeping up there so I wanted to, to dial it down a little bit little reset, how, how much yeah. is too so much I, uh I mean maybe five okay. Okay. double espresso <laughs> a day <laughs>
1: yeah um i found that i saw you you've doing some some youtubing so if people want to follow holly go and check out um some of the youtube stuff she's been doing is it a chore
0: or is it do you enjoy doing that stuff
2: so it's all sean it's all my partner um i would not be i would not be putting anything out there if it was up to me and i had to edit myself and like watch watch it how many times over and over again there's no way i would let it happen so it's actually been really fun though, because um, I think it just like, once the first one you get out of the way, because you're like, because Sean, Sean showed it to me and he was like, do you want to watch it? And I said, no, because if I watch it, I won't let it go on. If, if you want to do this, just put it out there and then we'll see. Hmm. Um, and we just had really good reactions from it. And I think it's nice because people can kind of see a more real, um version of you instead of kind of the perfect pictures on instagram um and like you know once you put the first one out and the world doesn't stop and people don't like get mad at you for just i don't know anything that you could have said in it then you kind of care a little less which is kind of nice yeah so it kind of breaks down some barriers for you yeah like even if it's just like a personal thing that it helps you like care a little less about what you kind of put out in the world. It's Kind of a nice
1: nice thing to do um i'm just keen to ask a couple of training questions um what what training did you do today give us some details
2: um so monday is my recovery day i ran an easy five miles with six 100 strides and then an easy 3k swim and, and that's and it if you're looking
1: at this week you know have you got any key sessions this week you know the, the real ones you really want to nail
2: yeah so this week is a bit different because I'm racing um 70.3 boulder um but it's a home race um so I'm kind of training through it I'm not I'm not taking it like normal normal kind of race week so I'll still have a session a kind of key session tomorrow um both bike and run um and then a bit of volume Wednesday and then kind of back off. So that's not typical. You're happy
1: to divulge what sort of a session you'd do? Uh,
2: yes. Yeah, so it'll just be kind of a slightly tailored back version of my regular. Um, normally I would have like three by 15 minutes and I'll have three by eight minutes on the bike, um, just under threshold. And then I'll, I've got some 300s on the run, um, yeah.
0: Just just with the PTO stuff, um, how are you enjoying having because you've kind of been around as it kind of has come around? Um, how's it been a game changer for you? Are you enjoying the racing and uh you know, just what difference has it made to your career?
2: Yeah, so I think it's still early days with the PTO and like obviously last year when we had Edmonton and Dallas, um, and we had the prize money where it was last year, which was so cool to see because like You know, we've always been saying with Ironman races that you can just cherry pick races and everyone's spread out across, you know, potentially like five, six races on the same weekend. So it just makes it like the pros are all scattered all over the place and there's you'll only show up at World Champs. So um, the PTO kind of makes makes the best race each other, which is like what every other mainstream sport you know does is what it enables a spectator to kind of really be a fan of the sport and that's exciting especially when you're awarded so you know you're still gutting it out for 10th place because the prize money's still you know whatever it was last year which was amazing and it actually kept me going on the run I remember in Dallas being like every place counted it really
0: really was a motivator Uh,
2: oh yeah yeah because I think it's like I think it was still like 15k for 10th place. And so every position was like solid. Um, so it's been a little bit of a back step this year with them taking a lot of the prize money from that. And I I totally get why, because it's kind of they've got investors for future years and they're trying to like grow it out for the long term. But um yeah, definitely like this year, I feel like we're more supporting it for the future kind of years of it. And it's a really exciting vision and I'm just like, yeah, really hopeful that it really pans out, but it's still, you know, it's still early days. What's
1: your season plan look like? Like you obviously did the European race. Are you going to do all the events and and what else is the sort of the main, um, main events for you this year?
2: Yeah. So the next like real race for me will be the PTO US Open, which will be in Milwaukee. Um, I oh, don't quote me on the day It's sometime in August like early August yeah. I think um which is three weeks three weeks before Finland 70.3 world champs um so I won't get to do Singapore which is the week before um which ideally I wanted to kind of hit all the PTO races but Singapore to Helsinki travel probably doesn't make sense yeah. um so yeah that's kind of they're my two kind of main season races. Um, and then, and obviously I do 70.3 boulder this weekend, but that's kind of a low key kind of train through race. And then, you know, see what's, see what the kind of score is at the end of the year. Does, um, um, does an Ironman ever appeal to
1: you or you just love, uh, sort of going a little bit shorter and a little bit harder?
2: yeah so my plan was always in 2020 to do an Ironman um just with whatever happened um you know getting sick and everything that just the plan just got waylaid and totally taken off the table so that's definitely my yeah my goal to do an Ironman and there is we're kind of thinking whether to do an Ironman at the end of the year this year like if there's one that suits and it you know works with travel and everything so yeah, I would like to do one and see how it goes and then maybe try and make world champs the next For year. For someone like you
0: who's who's made a really good career out of seventy point three, is it do you kinda of think, do I even need to do it? Because you know, like an Ironman man takes so much resource and energy out of a year. Um, you know, like you you've done bloody well in, in just sitting focusing on this part of the sport. Do you have is there a part of you that goes, Do I even need to do it? or is it definitely something you want to chase?
2: yeah I mean I I mean I'm always just curious um and like I think if you go to Kona and you see what a big deal of it is that which I have twice when I stayed with Oakley there then you know every year I was there I was like oh damn I just wish I was I wish I was in this race because it just you just feel just how big of a thing it is and I remember watching the race even like years ago when I was kind of really new in kind of long distance triathlon and seeing Kona as just this crazy race where the favorites were just blowing up and fireworks and it was crazy that I was like how would I race here like would I be able to do it so I think it's that kind of inner curiosity and like that it's more that than anything than do I need to do it it's like I would like to try and hand it in and see.
1: You're a weapon on the bike, so I reckon you do go well. So anything you want to get out there, you obviously you know you're doing some work with Scott of you you got the YouTube uh, side of things going. Anything anything else you want to get out there?
2: Uh yeah, not really. Um Sean's um starting coaching, so um he's now taking over all of my coaching because I was having a bike coach, um, for a while, but now it just kind of made sense for him to take over everything. So that's kind of exciting, but he's also launching his own, um, coaching company, which I'll be part of and kind of looking to kind of bring more of the community aspect into it, which will be fun for me. Um, so that's passion project triathlon. Um, that's the name of our YouTube channel too. And yeah, I'll be our coaching
1: team too. Awesome, all the best for Boulder this weekend, we look forward to seeing you in some of the PTO mm-hmm. action later on and World champs in Finland and uh, thanks so much for your time today
2: Cool, yeah, no problems
0: Jonbo, we, we've done this section here but before we've done the interview so I'm sure it's a great interview and uh, yeah, let's get into the next part John's Coach's Corner
1: Righty-ho, so last week's wrote, key rote build-up session was to do The last big one? um yeah do this That's kind of different last, thing last sort of real key session so it was half ironman simulation at ironman effort so 1.9k swim in the pool because we can't swim outdoors at the moment 90 kilometer bike ride at ironman effort and then a 21 kilometer 21.1 kilometer run uh at ironman pace uh so what we actually did with this one we took friday afternoon off work and because it's bloody dark so dark in the morning and it's cold and we're just like we're going to have a little bit of family time over the weekend and we're just going to do it in the afternoon and hopefully get some decent weather and free up the, the weekend time. So I'm not really going to go through the session because I've talked about half Man simulations but before but um, just a few points on some discussions we sort of had uh, post-race and discussions I've had with a few athletes um, fairly recently and you know we're in the coming from our winter going into summer racing and uh, some, some things that people have asked me about. So firstly around heart rate. Uh, so when we did it last weekend, the weather was actually pretty decent but prior to that we'd done some riding in, in cooler weathers and people are struggling to get their heart rates up. And so if that's the case for you guys, if you if you're riding along You're pumping out the power and you're thinking power's good here if it feels about right but my heart rate is way below where it would normally be. Um, Two things or a few things to factor in. Firstly your heart rate's going to get suppressed when you're quite fatigued. So if if you're carrying a heavy load of training um, it's a lot harder to get your heart rate up. Conversely when you're tapered you're fresh and you're firing it's a lot easier to get your heart rate up. So you really need to look at your you know, past race data to to make sure that you know what you where your heart rate limits are for race day. And then in training, if it feels right, if the power's good, but the heart rate's a bit low and especially if the weather is cooler, not to get too panicky going, okay for, for me, for example, you know, I was probably a good five beats below where I'd expect I'd to be okay. um, in race day and I mainly, on this particular occasion, put that down to, to the temperatures uh, because I was a little bit more tapered for this one. When I'd done pr- um, prior uh, training sessions and similar to, to athletes that I, that I coach and see, if you go into a key ride and you're fatigued, again, you know you expect it to be five, if not even ten beats down if it's cold and if you're fatigued. So one of the things I tried to do last weekend to overcome that a bit is really overdressed for the bike ride. Uh, So as I said earlier, it was a a really nice day. It was probably about 15 degrees. Sun was out. It was pumping down. I had leg warmers on, arm warmers on. I had a thermal on and then I had a bike jersey over the top. Uh, So really trying to get that core temperature up and and that helped in terms of getting my, my heart rate a little bit higher plus making me feel a little more, more uncomfortable and sort of trying to you know, do the best you can to acclimatise before you head over. So overdressing when you're heading into a race where you know it's going to be a lot warmer than where you are is key.
0: And how did you find that? Uh, well, did it make it uncomfortable? Yeah, it does. Yep. Yeah,
1: and and, and same, same deal on the run. I wore uh, a cap. I wore a polyprop, uh, sort of a thermal, and I wore a long sleeve t-shirt. Uh, again, just to get more uncomfortable, so I started sweating up a bit of a storm, which is which is exactly what I want. Uh, it also just makes it a little bit tougher. Uh, what else did I have to say? So that was sort of a bit around about heart rates. Uh, oh, just in terms of your heart rates, in terms of how you're trying to work out your race day heart rates, um, you know. Look at you. Hopefully, you'll know what your sort of FTP heart rate is, and then you'll hopefully have a reasonable estimation on where your Olympic distance is. So, for example, for me, you know, my FTP heart rate is um, an FTP, it's like your one hour max effort time trial, it's sort of low to maybe mid 160s, um, and then I can't you just work backwards from, from there. and roughly taking off 10 beats per race distance so for me uh, if I was going to go do an Olympic distance race um, work backwards around about 155 I don't really want to be going above that from a heart rate perspective then if I take another step down to half Ironman distance around about 145 and then step down again to Iron distance around about 135 I don't really want to be crossing over that and then last weekend you know sitting a sort of sitting high 120s um, and again factoring in being fresher and in hotter conditions probably about sort of on the money so make sure you look at race data, previous training data and try to work on those heart rate zones especially if you're going to a hotter race so we've got a few guys that are going over to Cairns as well and I'm saying to them your power is important but your heart rate is more important, if you ignore your heart rate chances of exploding on the run is reasonably high. Um, so heart rate is key. You ride to power, but you've got to keep your, keep an eye on heart rate. But what do you do if your heart rate's getting too high? you just got to get it down. You know, you've got to do whatever it takes is to, so, get, to so, get it down. But do you
0: find that's just a moment in time, or do you find you've got to compromise power for the rest of the oh, ride? Oh, you've got to
1: compromise power, for sure. But for the rest
0: of the ride, or do you find that you know, you get that peak, you see it's dropping, and you know, it's lifting, if you pull back for 10 minutes, it comes back and you can restate, re, kind of really reset that kind of level you want to be at or do you find that basically there's a compromise for the rest of the ride
1: uh, it can be a little bit of a combo but and that, I know it's sort of sitting on the fence yeah. but most and I'm pe- sure it's different in different situations most people are going to experience a high heart rate coming out of the swim and going through transition so first step yeah. is chill out at the end of the swim don't be like and, last weekend's race yeah and chill out in transition so you're not immediately getting on the bike with a high heart rate It still maybe higher than where you want it to be but it can very easily be through the roof. So chill out and transition. I'm not saying stop and have a bloody coffee. I'm just saying run through transition at a really comfortable pace, the same sort of effort that you're going to be doing on the run later in the day and no need to get panicky and no need to get caught up in the moment. Like in Rote, you come out of the swim and there is thousands of people around. You you, you ride along this little path, you make a right hand turn and come over this bridge and it's like 10 deep each side on the bridge. People just going mental not go hard there is really challenging but critical that you don't so that's point number one and point number two is if you're on a hilly course is when you get that first first downhills just trying to do a bit of freewheeling to get get your heart rate down if you're racing and everything's good completely don't do that you got to keep the power on on downhills and, and make sure you're onto it but you've just got to work on getting that heart rate down at your zone and it will take a bit of time um, second point I was going to make about uh, last week I had my best swim oh really i was just like so relieved because i mean putting in the mahi or putting in the work in the swim and it's just not been happening because i've been in a reasonably fatigued state for for extended period and haven't really done any key swims when i've been fresh um so when when you're going through your swimming and you build up to a key race if you're putting in the hard work try to be patient um and know that when you do freshen up your swim's going to turn around quite a bit. So when you get into that final two weeks and things start to taper off, your swim will probably turn around as long as you're putting in the putting in the good work uh, and the build-ups. So swim speed requires quite a bit of freshness. And if you go and do a swim after a massive big ride or a big run or something like that, you're probably going to be pretty low in the water and, and sort of struggle your way through. So be patient with your swimming. And then the final point I was going to make was all the little one percenters around um, you know, aerodynamic gains and stuff can add up to quite a bit. Yeah. Because uh, you may think, oh, get an Aero helmet. That's going to make a little bit of difference. Yeah. Going to get those um, calf guards I've talked about. They make a little difference. Um, you know, tri suit not having flappy things makes a little bit of difference. You combine all that stuff up, and it makes quite. a Did you difference. do that on Friday? So no, I didn't, and I wasn't. I just. Yeah, yeah, I was, just it was a training, training day. day. So I had a bike jersey on with stuff in the pockets, I had uh, leg warmers on that weren't, you know, they weren't that aero, I didn't have an aero helmet, I wasn't being uh, as diligent as I perhaps could be in terms of staying on my aero bars for, for uh, as long as I could be and then one of the other fellas who I didn't end up catching on the bike, you know, he had aero helmet he had the calf guards. He had the tri-suit. Uh, he was staying aero. And it makes such a big difference. So um, if you do want to basically buy yourself some free speed, go to Hayden. Hayden beta going over to Ironman Ken's. How's, uh, how's he looking? He's looking good now. Just needs to slow down a little bit. Well, and contain just, himself? <laughs> contain himself. He'll be fine. Because when's Ken's? Same time? Kens is a week before. It's on the 18th. Caden, okay,
0: calm down, Charlie
1: Brown. Don't <laughs> let Cairns be your enemy. Um, but all that gear... And and he had race wheels. I just had crappy old training wheels on. I hadn't lubed up my chain, hadn't really pumped up my tyres. All that stuff makes a really big difference. Um, And so just factor that in, you know, especially for Kiwis training on Kiwi roads um, where it's such a disadvantage with the shitty bumpiness and it's just going to be so nice to be on smooth roads again. So all those little 1%ers, if you do them, they add up to a lot and you talked. to we talked to Cody Beals a couple of weeks ago and he was saying you know the setups people used to have you know four or five years ago were were laughable and now everyone's on it and combine them all together it makes a big difference in speed and that's what I'm telling myself going into road Uh, I need every little bit of help I can get what's the thing you're not doing Uh, what's the thing I'm not doing hmm I'm doing pretty I'm doing my strength and conditioning which is good for me are you noticing it uh not noticing it, but I'm going really well. Okay. Uh, I'm doing being really good with my flexibility. It's probably yeah the things that I fear in the race is. Uh, I'm hoping in this race I'm not going to get isolated like I have in all the other races I've done. I'm hoping. And why we, does that happen? Because I've started with the pros in the past. Okay. And so almost all my racing that I've done long course has been solo. Okay. You know, just about all of it, other than at Kona. Yeah, Kona, I was going backwards, and yeah. in <laughs> big packs. In yeah, big packs. Yeah. So I'm hoping over here, I'm not saying I want to draft, but I'm hoping I'm not going to have to concentrate for 180 k's on the bike and uh, and the entire swim as well, because there's no way I can keep up with any of the pros. Uh, so who do you start with? Age we'll groupers? hopefully start with the age groupers. Surely. Yeah, yeah. But in the past, we have started with the pros, the mm. sub sub nine athletes. But I'm pretty sure that won't happen this time. Do so you put
0: yourself down as a sub nine? Yes. And so, he, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm hoping we're not going to. So we'll see. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much ticking all the boxes at the moment. I uh, can't can't say I'm. Uh, oh, the only yeah, jelly belly. I'd like to get rid of that, but uh, yeah, it's probably the, the one uh, the one area that I haven't worked too hard on. But everything else, I'm uh,
0: ticking it. Oh, well, it's, it's taper just about begins, and uh, yeah, be on the plane next week. That's right. <laughs> okay, John. I don't think we need to. Um, uh, I what? just
1: want to get... because I've i keep forgetting about doing this, but okay. we're, we're website of the week. week. Global Cycling Network. We've done this one before. We have done Global Cycling Network as a YouTube channel. Yeah. But I recently subscribed to GCN Plus. Um, So you pay for this? You pay for this. And they've got just a massive library of stuff you can watch on your trainer. And they cover all the bike races, but they've got geographical restrictions on some events, like we can't watch the Tour de France in New Zealand because Sky have the rights to it, and we can't watch the the Dauphiné which is on at the moment. But if you're looking for content to watch on the trainer if you're inside all the time, sign up to GCN Plus. Uh, and is it mainly just races, or because I know we've got lots of documentaries as well. I watched one. Education. Uh, that's more on their YouTube channel. Okay. But in terms of GCN Plus, it's bike racing and documentaries and films and stuff. Watched one the other day about um. The, uh, the Giro uh, which is a tour of Italy in 88 in this infamous stage where it started snowing and I'm, it didn't just start snowing like it is a massive snowstorm the and they kept the race going <laughs> Riding bikes, and they didn't even finish at the top they finished they went over the top and then had to go down the other Do side snow? in the snow it was absolutely stupid carnage absolute carnage uh it goes down to folklore but like people were scarred for a long time some guys have still got rooted fingers and things like that from it uh it's worth watching there's lots of other docos on there. what you pay for it uh not much it was like 10 bucks or something a month sort of thing i only paid up for a month because i'm not going to be around after that but uh definitely worth watching my son loves it as well he's watching all the cycling on there so gcn plus
0: okay there you go
1: um
0: I don't know. Oh, are you watching the Tour de France thing on Netflix? Is it starts started? on the 8th. Are you excited about that?
1: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah? Hopefully. Was it
0: a good race that
1: Uh Yeah, it was epic. Really? I don't know whether they'll they'll follow the guys, you know, first and second, but it was... Uh, I, I reckon they're more. Do you know why? I don't know if they'll have inside access. I'm pretty sure they don't on one of those teams. Oh,
0: okay. Because the thing is, all those sports now understand, because of the drive to survive, hmm. they understand the better access, the better for the sport. Hmm. So... I don't watch Drive to Survive. I watch once one series. Yeah. Has the latest series has Max been having access? Uh,
1: I think he has. I think because early on he didn't want to do it, did he? Yeah, he's tall. Is he? <laughs> I don't know. He comes across as a tool anyway. Aren't they all? Uh, no, it's, they're all in their own little world. Yeah, but um, of all of them, he comes across as the least likable. But okay. they've portrayed him that way as well. So He might be a lovely well, guy. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You edit it to, to a persona, aren't you? Mm. Um okay there we go well that's so are, are you really excited about that? are you oh yeah, no, I watched the preview last night. it's gonna be awesome, yeah uh, well, it should be awesome i'm gonna be uh, I'm looking forward to it i'm gonna download uh binge watch plane? it on the plane next week are you going? For, you, your wife yeah, yeah, <laughs> screw her. she's not watching it she'll watch whoever's in front of her did you see apple
0: brought out the um v r set this morning. No. So they brought out a VR set It's, it's got to cost like 6,000 bucks mm. But it's basically um, augmented reality So it's kind of glasses They look like a VR set But they're kind of glasses mm. But what they can do Is you can watch a movie Make it as big as you want But then have surroundings mm. So you can be on a plane And literally feel you're not there <laughs> Yeah So that's 6,000 $6, bucks mm. for you uh, Okay let's go winner of the week,
1: week. I'm going to go number 81 81
0: 81, 81,
1: yeah, it's 81, 81, 81 scroll Chris Doherty. He did 14 Bevan's hours. Bevan's brother. Yeah, Bevan's brother. He's done 14 hours and three minutes of training. Three hours and 13 You 14 hours and 81 in our group. That's right. Bevan's Just great. in front of we Tied with Julia Spark. Well, she, was, she, she did the same amount, but she's one place ahead of him. Uh, he did... F- Fourteen hours and three minutes training. Three hours and thirteen, in the swim. Eight hours fifty-four on the bike. One hour fifty-four on the run. I think it's it just, met Chris. Yeah, he came yeah, yeah, on he camp. Came, 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 yeah, yeah, lovely um, guy. He was a really, really just a yeah. good person. Was he? He wasn't a jet fighter pilot, was he? I or think not? he may have been. Yeah. I think he might have been too. Uh, He's from England in the UK, and he is cranking it. Uh, The last week, he's he's had like a five-week progression where he's just been building, building, building. Chris, it's time for an easy week. If you go five weeks of build, you need a little bit of easy time, a little bit of downtime to get your gains. And our usual sort of predictions of uh, pace and stuff are usually way out the door. But his longest bike ride is 180.6 kilometers. I'm assuming that was doing an Ironman. Let's have a look at where his longest bike ride is. You ever look at his running, Bevan? Goes longest uh, run, morning ride. I reckon that. wonder if estimated that's, marathon time is 338. Um, don't really have your longest run, yeah. Don't know if that was an iron distance race or not, anyway. He did it uh on August the 11th, 2019. He's done a lot
0: of running, but I'll tell you what, his finish line photo and his little Strava pile is very cool. Mm. He's pointing at the, f- the camera. Is I think it's at the Outlaw Triathlon. Mm. So very good. Okay, Chris, Chris Stocky, you are our winger w- of the week. Let's try to fly through so we get everything. In. We've got seven minutes, John. Yep. What's the uh, Lanz- Lanzarote? Oh. I'm going to say it's like
1: 2000 and 2000? No, nah. the 90s? I'm going to go for… It's one of the older ones. I'm thinking Ironman New Zealand was probably… 83. Yeah, around about there. So yeah. I'm going to go 85. I'm to go, I'm gonna go I'm gonna 89. I mean, Lenzerotti, right. I wonder if we've got a, a wiki on that. Okay, I might have to just pause for just a second. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) now while you do that, I'll
0: just do the patrons because we want to try to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to say a massive thank you to our patrons. If you're not a patron, uh, you can go to www.imtalk.me and uh, just basically donate a little bit of money. You choose how much you want to donate each week, we release a show. And we've got Skip's Peanut Slades, he's a coach himself and he's a very good supporter of the show. We've got Jeremy uh, Canalian Hopwood and then Anthony the Squid
1: Express. Camelli how do you say his last name? Uh yeah, I'll we'll go with that. I'm not on that page at the moment, yep. but we'll go there. And uh it's Cam uh, Rally? Mm,
0: I'm not good with names, sorry. Camarelli, Camarelli. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: so Anthony Camarelli, the Squid
0: Express. Okay, so um if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. Also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, just go to the bottom of the front page. If you want to get some coaching, coach John Newsom, epiccamp.com for his epic camp. He's got his Kona one coming next year. Yep. Um also anything I do, bevinjabs you can send us any content at am podcast at
1: What is it, John? So the answer is nineteen ninety two. What did I say? You said 89. 89, I said 85. So this is in Spanish, but it looks like it started at Clubs La Cienta in 92. Uh, it says something, uh, I think maybe 148 athletes did it. Uh, and then 93, something else <laughs> happened. Uh, the winners in 1982 was Ben Van Selt on the boys' side and Janine Jean, uh, Daly on the female side. Good times, times. Rick. Okay, Jombo, let's. I've done all that stuff. So, swim set today, we did a 500 warm up, mixed strokes, then did uh, 650s bands only, and then the main set was 300 steady, and three times 100 very hard, three times through, and then 100 easy IM, 800 pull, doing 50 meters three stroke breathing, 50 meters normal breathing, warm down, I think it was 3.6 Ks. Okay, John, your goss. What's my goss is all I care about is getting out of this country right now. Yeah, got everything lined up. Everything's just in the zone. Going to get the bike serviced today, uh, and that's about all that's been happening really. You excited about the race? Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be going to be awesome. Just don't want it to be. Oh, that, when we we're talking four, one thing that does scare me is it's too hot because that throws things. Uh, yeah. things things it, it a little bit. Can get hot there. Can get hot. Optimal temperature twenty. I can handle twenty five. Yeah, if we're going to thirty, different game. It's going to start uh, affecting the numbers a little bit. Yeah. So no, not much else happening. Um, I heard you
0: had a very social weekend.
1: Yep, out twice. Second weekend in a row, going out Night twice. Party animal. Party animal. And then this weekend we have little junior, little Tommy is turning sixteen, wow. so he can go and get his learner's driver's license, or at least try. Is he going to? I'm taking him on Monday. On oh, day or one, Tuesday yeah Monday or Tuesday. why, why, on why the rush he I want him he needs to be able to drive to training sessions so we don't have to bloody ferry him around uh, but how long does
0: it take before they can drive six months okay yeah
1: i think I think it's six yep yeah, so that's about it Bevan, what about you have you ever crashed a car uh, I haven't had any major crashes I've crashed the car, but not not badly yeah you know i've Rear rear of somebody when I was in school with my mum in the car. She was not happy with that. Uh, <laughs> a couple of little, very minor things. I've dinged the car, like, reversed into things. Yeah. Um, But I've never had a bad crash. Have you? Yeah, I've had a few. I I, I
0: drove into a tree drunk. Oh, yeah, I was an idiot when I was a kid. And one time we were driving through a park. Okay, I'll tell the story. I've got two minutes. So we're driving through a park. Me and my mates, I was drunk as. I was an idiot. Mm. Like, don't, don't be me as a kid, basically, mm. is what we're saying. But... We were driving...
1: My, my dad had a Starlet mm-hmm. and... It's not a high-powered <laughs> car. No. It's like a tiny little... <laughs> 1.2 litre 1. 1. Yeah, or 1.6. Small car.
0: <laughs> and uh, we are driving through the park and my mate goes to me, whatever you do, Bevan, don't pull the handbrake.
1: Because oh we're around trees
0: and I just thought he said pull the handbrake. Yeah. So I pulled the handbrake and start sliding and the, and the car just slid into the tree. So half the, the side door yeah. slid into the tree. Yeah. Not good. Uh. So then... I went home and I knew I was in trouble. So I parked the car. They used to park it not in the car, in the garage because yeah. it was kind of dad's work car. So it was a pretty shitty car, luckily. So I parked it on the side of the driveway mm-hmm. where you couldn't see where I'd crashed it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of left there for a couple of weeks because dad wasn't really using it much. Yeah. And then I, I had a mate who was a panel bidder. I said, mate, can I bring the car around to fix it? Yeah. He goes, yeah. So I went around. That <laughs> was screwed. Absolutely screwed. And he goes, mate. Can't fix this in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's absolutely ruined. <laughs> I think it's like seriously. Think think of, like in a movie how a car is destroyed. So then I'm driving at home and the car breaks down. Yeah. And I'm like oh no. So then I ring Dan and I said dad you're not going to believe it. I was just driving home. A dog ran out in front of me and I, I swerved and I hit a tree. Yeah. And then and I was trying to get home and they believed the story and I got away mm. with it. Good so
1: times. Do you still believe it to this day?
0: No, they try talking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, it was good stuff.
1: And I, and,
0: I, and I once bought a really flash car. My first car was a really flash car and I crashed it on day two. Oh, dear. Yeah, so don't drive with me is the lesson there. All anyway, right. let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Care car. car.